Hey everyone, David Bowden here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement from the team here at Spoken Gospel. As we approach our summer film block, we're filming our final introductions for our whole project on the Bible, including books of the Bible like the book of Revelation and Chronicles, and it's going to be an amazing time. And we are almost finished funding our need for this film block, and we have about $30,000 left to cross the finish line. And we are asking you, our podcast listeners, to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Seth, how are you? You remembered this time. I did. If you listened last week, <laughs> Seth really called me out for not jumping right into yeah, asking I need his inner affirmation thoughts. Really quickly, or I just tank. <laughs> um, I'm doing well. Um, excited to talk about the end of the book of Amos, perhaps the most intense part of the book of Amos. Yeah, dead bodies everywhere. It's the quote everybody it's loves. The it's a great pull quote from After Amos. After let justice roll like a river, it's dead bodies everywhere. Where is that again? That's Amos, in chapter 8. Chapter 8, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's one yeah. of the... Chapter 8, verse 3. Yep. So many dead bodies, they are thrown everywhere. Silence. So that's where we're going today, guys. Get excited. <laughs> Everyone's like, and I'm skipping to the next book. Don't. The, don't. This has some There's, of Amos's most famous prophecies. Have you yes. heard of the plumb line? Woo. We're about to talk about that. Um, and but, this, we have like an actual messianic Davidic line prophecy. Yeah. Good Garden of Eden restoration stuff coming. Yes. And it's and that's even picked up again in the book of Acts. Yeah. So, so if you want to understand what's happening at the Jerusalem Council with circumcision, you need to know what's happening in the book of around. Amos. It's going to be great. We're going to get there. So here's what's happening. All right. Uh, in a series of visions, uh-huh. Amos sees Israel's destruction play out five different times. Oh, that's the, right. <laughs> that's what happens in this last section before the promises of David and the Messianic hope. Okay. So the first vision is a plague of locusts, okay. kind of like one we saw in Joel. And uniquely, it happens after the king's cutting. The After king, the king's what? Cutting, the king's mowings. Oh. And so the idea is that Israel would grow its crops and uh, the first fruits would go to the king. That would be the taxes. Those are supposed to be gods. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's push that aside for a second. Uh-oh. It would go tax the, ki- the king would take his taxes. Okay. But then the locusts are going to come, meaning the people of Israel, the, the average person of Israel, uh. like not just the royalty, but the entire nation will experience God's judgment on their immorality and idolatry. Um, And Amos prays for God to relent. And he says, God, please forgive us. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. And then the Lord relented concerning the locust. And he said, it shall not be, said the Lord. Um, So a couple things here. One, we went, talked about last time about how 
the good news of prophetic fatherly warnings. Mm. And this is an example of how these warnings are calls for return and repentance and that when Israel returns and repents, or at least there's a representative like Amos who repents, that God will relent. Yes. That he will stop the his justice coming down too quickly. Yeah, God says, this is going to happen. This punishment is coming. Amos stands in the gap and says, Lord, please forgive. And then the Lord relents and says, it shall not be. Yep. And the way that he does this is actually really interesting. He says, how can Jacob stand? He is so small. Mm. That's really significant because this goes all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy Mm -hmm. when God first chose Israel. Right. He said, out of all the nations, I chose you, but not because you were the biggest or the strongest of all nations, but because you were so small. Right. So he's saying, God, remember how small we are? We can't stand up under your power. Please relent. Yeah. Our smallness was the reason you chose us. Right. Yeah. Don't take advantage of our smallness and destroy us. Yeah. Continue to choose us. And just like before, how we talked about the great consequences that come from failing their great calling as God's chosen special covenant people, Amos, again, is calling back on God's promises to give them mercy when they deserve justice. Yeah. Um, so that's happening okay. in the first one. And then the second um, vision is of a judgment by fire. Fire of judgment that eats up the land. And the sea, apparently. Oh, yeah. Just like licks up the waters of it's the like sea. It's really hot fire. <laughs> it's real hot fire. <laughs> Just evaporates everything. And again, this is a vision. Yep. And again, is re- and Amos doesn't repent this time. He just says, oh God, please cease. Oh. Please stop. Yeah. Um, how can Jacob stand? He is so small. And then it shall not be. Right. God relents yet again within his visions. The third vision comes up, and this is the famous one of the plumb line. And God shows Amos a building, and there was a plumb line. And the building is presumably crooked right. because of what yeah. a plumb line is supposed to do. Yeah, a plumb line is, is a string with a weight tied to the bottom of the string, and gravity <laughs> makes the string hang straight. And so this was a, a rudimentary level. This is how you would use a le- like a vertical level. So whenever people yep. in ancient days were building walls, yep. they would use a plumb line with this the string holding a weight to make sure that the walls were perfectly yep. up and down. As long as the corner of your rock, your building stone hit that line, that's right. It would be a straight line. You're good. But God is saying, "I've brought my divine plumb line over to the house of Israel." And it's straight up and down, but Israel's walls are crooked. Right. And Amos can't argue with God. Right. He doesn't ask God to stop. Yeah. He doesn't ask God to repent. The evidence is so clear when God's standard of justice and righteousness is set up. Israel is going to fall over. Yeah. I'm just thinking like of like how he, he doesn't. It's just funny. It's like you, you think he's going to get into a rhythm here and be like, forgive, yes. cease. Yes. And it's like, okay, let me show you something. And it's like, I, I just picture like I, this has happened to me where it's like I've hung something up on the wall. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, oh, that's so good. It's level. And Megan, my wife, will be like, that is not level. I'm like, it's so definitely level. level. And then we go get a level. And, it's not and level. the bubble's way off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, it's not level. Like, I can't argue. Can't I can't argue say, with the level. forgive me. <laughs> Stop telling me that it's not level. The evidence right. is too clear. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably important we actually read the next verse because it plays into what we're about to read here. The And um, behold, I'm setting up a plumb line in the middle of my people. And I will never again pass by them. Mm. So there's two ways I you could think about that. One is the way that God passed by in front of Moses and revealed himself to Moses. As a gracious appearing. Or 
Or you could also think about it as the way that God passed over uh, Egypt and Israel. In a way of sparing them. In a way of sparing them. Okay. Um, so to a never again pass by them would mm. be to either never come into contact with them again, to mm. either save or to be gracious to them, or to never consider their affliction and there's you know what i mean like yeah. it's like i won't pass by you i won't look on you anymore but the reason i flag both those stories in the exodus narrative is exodus is going to be brought up here in a second i see so i think the pass by language is just important to flag but then okay. he says this the high places of isaac shall be made desolate and those are the places where the idols were worshipped yep okay the sanctuaries of israel shall be laid to waste and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the oh, sword. Well, Jeroboam, that's the guy who built the idols. That's the there guy who go. built the items. So, and then Amos' visions are interrupted by the by the high priest Amaziah. Okay, well, I guess before we go there, yeah. um, let's talk about this representative uh, yes. intercessor that we have in Amos, mm-hmm. right? We have Amos, like God promising punishments, mm-hmm. Amos standing in the gap saying, Lord, please forgive, remember your promises to small Israel and then the Lord says, it shall not be. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I guess I could jump through a bunch of hoops to make a longer Jesus story. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, Jesus is the one who stands in the gap. And God looks at us and says, the wages of sin is death. And then Jesus stands in the gap and says, Lord, please forgive. Instead of remember mm-hmm. Israel or remember this or that, yeah. he says, remember me. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, right. I have paid the debt. I, yeah. The wages of sin is death and I paid the death. And then the like, and then what? What we hear about our future condemnation are just these words that God spoke to Amos: mm-hmm. "It shall not be." Mm-hmm. The Lord relents. Yeah, our future condemnation: it shall not be. Yeah, and in the same way that is that Amos pointed back to the moment when God chose Israel mm-hmm. to silence the condemnation, like we can do the same thing. We can point back to the cross, mm-hmm. the moment that we have been chosen by God when we placed our faith in the cross, and the the condemnation uh, that we might be afraid of coming from God is canceled. And the condemnation that comes from our enemies all the time is also canceled. There now, therefore, is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, and it's like, I think it also like reverses the point of the plumb line too for us because the plumb line of God held up to our lives, Hmm. we would always be seen as crooked. Yeah. And what's amazing is through the Holy Spirit, the inner working of the Holy Spirit, making us more and more like Jesus every day, no longer is the plumb line the standard by which we're judged. It is the standard to which we're being conformed. That's really cool. Like Jesus is making yeah. us upright buildings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a plumb line of righteousness and judgment and brick by brick every day, God is making us yeah. st- stack up to yeah. that line. And then First John 3, 2, I feel like I quote that on the podcast so much, but when Jesus returns, we will become like him when we see him as mm. he is. That plumb line of, of justice and the character of God that runs straight up and down when we behold Jesus finally at a second coming, we will be a straight building. Like, I love that. I love that. We'll no longer be crooked. And uh, then even Paul talks about how we're being built up as temples unto the Lord, yeah. like a holy, the church is a holy building. Man, yeah. that building metaphor is more pervasive uh, rich yeah than i thought oh, it, yeah. i thought it was really um deep. that's really cool awesome so yeah okay so amaziah the high priest amaziah. So, which is funny that we jump from amos as an intercessor of the people of god's sin mm-hmm. to 
the high priest who was supposed ah. to be the intercessor yes. for the people's sin. That is So it's just an interesting little like yeah. bridge here. And I think what it's supposed to do like narratively is to show the royal reaction to Amos's prophecies. Right. So Amos is doing all his prophesying against the house of uh, all of Israel and particularly in verse nine, the house of Jeroboam right. with his sword. Yeah. So it's the royal response, the high priestly response to this other intercessor like you just named. And then it's also God's response to the royal response to Amos. <laughs> okay, that okay, yeah. yeah. So, so unpack the story. What happens? So Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, where the false temple was, sent by Jeroboam, king of Israel, said he said he sends someone to Jeroboam and says, "Amos is conspiring against you in the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words." And thus Amos is said, "Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from this land." He functionally accuses Amos of treason. Right. Amos is out there in in the in the cities, saying that Israel is going to go into exile, mm-hmm. and God's going to kill the king by the sword mm-hmm. because of all their injustice. And so the they send a liaison to the king and say, "Amos is a treasonous monster." Right. who is forming an insurrection. Yeah. Okay. Yep, and he's saying, we got we to gotta deal with him. And then Amaziah speaks to Amos directly and says, get out of here because this no one can question the king functionally. And then Amos just responds and says, you know, you're disqualifying me because I'm not the prophet you expect, but mm-hmm. God chose me when I was a fig farmer, and I know that I am God's prophet by his election, his choice of me, and you keep telling me not to prophesy? But I'm going to prophesy. And he prophesies directly against the false high priest Amaziah and says, your wife is going to be a prostitute in the city and your sons and your daughters are going to die and your land is going to be divided up with a measuring line, a plumb line. Right. The same plumb line of justice that is proving Israel's crookedness will be the plumb line that determines uh, how his lo- his land will be allotted mm-hmm. because presumably he stole some of it. Right. Like it was gained by unjust means. Yep. So that justice and righteousness will reallocate the land to who it is meant to go to. Yeah. So Amos is proving mm-hmm. here that, once again, that he is God's chosen prophet, regardless mm-hmm. of where he came from. Mm-hmm. Um, or because of where he came from, right, almost. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And, um, and like his words against the king aren't necessarily like aimed at treason, they're aimed at just being the mouthpiece of God. Yeah, he's calling out Israel's idolatry and the way that's led necessarily to injustice. And he's saying these are the covenant consequences backed up all the way back in Deuteronomy. Right. This isn't an issue of national fidelity or patriotism. It's an issue of fidelity to God. It's not necessarily political. It's theological. Right. Yeah. And he's misunderstanding his theological take as right. a political take which is pretty common it is common it's yeah. you know it's like it you know i think i think people can easily be seen as uh hostile to their own countries whenever they point out things that are wrong in them yep and it's like no i can enjoy being a citizen of whatever country i find myself in mm-hmm. and also see whenever it's unjust yeah whenever it's in, failing yeah wouldn't that be a good way to love where I live is to like let justice roll in that place. Mm-hmm. It's like, so like you can be on the side of justice and calling out systemic problems of evil in your country. And it would be wrong to just automatically accuse you of like, Oh, so you, so why don't you just move? Why don't you go, yeah. go, go to some other country then. Right. 
And it's like, well, I belong to the kingdom of God. I've already moved there. Right. I've already, <laughs> I've already moved. My citizenship is of another kingdom. But I'm also living here right now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting that that plays out kind of in the same way today. And right. where if you criticize your country, it's considered treason. But no, it's part of the reality when God's kingdom is built on God's laws and you have other laws that are on top of those laws mm-hmm. that are... Anyway. Yeah. And so like Jesus, like a similar thing happened to Jesus then. Like, yes, right. Exactly. Right. He's prophesying about uh, the temple's going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, he's talking about the religious hypocrisy of the day. You know, uh, he's, he's taking uh, leaders like Herod to task, political leaders like Herod Mm -hmm. to task. And so people accuse him of treason, but not only political treason, they accuse him of religious yeah, treason blasphemy. of blasphemy yeah. um, against God. And it is for that crime that he is crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like he is walking in the prophetic footsteps of Amos. That's right. Uh, and, and fulfilling like what it looks like to be the mouthpiece of God, regardless of religious mm-hmm. and political unrest that comes against you. I think Jesus as a prophet is something that I've not meditated on as much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Jesus he's a king. prophet. He's yeah. king. He's yeah. the son of God. He's the the sacrifice. Yeah, even the high, the new high priest. Yes, the like, suffering servant. Like yeah. all those seem pretty. New. Yeah, and it's probably like part of that might be like a way that we've just like the church has almost insulated us from that, just because of like that's how other religions talk about Jesus. Ah, right. Like Islam says mm-hmm. Jesus. Oh yeah, we believe in Jesus. Jesus was a prophet, mm-hmm. and it's like so we're afraid to call him a prophet, yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah. it's like, well, if he's a prophet, then he's not God. It's like no, he he's both. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think, and just the idea that Jesus is repeating the prophetic ministries mm-hmm. of Amos or Joel or Obadiah, he's calling out the same things. His life script is the same, yeah. confronted by by the leaders of his, uh, the, the religious and the governmental leaders of his day, accused of treason. Like, that is so crazy to me that I, I don't know why I haven't meditated on it more, yeah. especially when I have a parable about it with the farmers, the, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Where Jesus says, like, I sent you... Right, the tenants of the vineyard. The tenants of the vineyard. Yeah. I sent the tenants of the vineyard servant after servant after servant to collect the rent, to and call to a, make accounts. Finally, I sent my son. I was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. That's yeah. kind of a one-off. But no, it's like Jesus could primarily be defined as the a prophet. prophet of God, the final Yeah, yeah prophet which of God. is what Hebrews says. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah it's good. And it's like, just as Amos was like, I'm a fig farmer from nowhere. You know, I'm not here because of my pedigree. It's like, yeah, can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, it's like, yeah, Jesus, he was a carpenter's son, mm-hmm. you know, or mason worker's son, if depending so, on the translation. And maybe just to land this plan on why is it good news that Jesus is a prophet? Mm. I think it makes sense that Jesus is a perfect sacrifice. He's a high priest that lives forever. He's yeah. like, those. I get those and how those turn into good news. Hebrews 1 says like we have, but God has spoken this in these last days through his son. So yep. there's a sense that the the words of the prophet Jesus are more final and more lasting or more concrete than the words yeah. of Amos and the ones beforehand. Yeah, it's also really good news that Jesus is a prophet because we need to know what God is doing. Like mm-hmm. we need to know what God is right. doing. Like like it's he's like like Amos says in chapter three, God doesn't do anything without revealing it through his prophets. Yep. And so as Jesus as the final prophet, we finally know exactly what God is up to. Yeah. And what what is God up to? Judgment is still coming against sin, but God is bringing the whole world to himself through the sacrifice of his son. How would we know any of that was happening mm-hmm. unless Jesus was the final prophet calling out sin and hypocrisy, calling out injustice, but at the same time bringing good news to the poor and announcing forgiveness of sins through his death? Like 
and we know that he can be counted on, not because of where he came from mm-hmm. or you know anything yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. but because he was a prophet, because he yeah. spoke the words of God. Yeah. And like what God says comes true. It goes back to those hyperbolic or not hyperbolic hypothetical questions yeah. that w- that were asked back in chapter three, where it's like, you know, is the Pope's hat white? Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, it's like when Jesus is Jesus, a prophet who speaks the very words of God. Yes. It's like, you can, you can trust that what Jesus says and does are true because he is the prophet of God who has these this long lineage of prophets behind him who what they've said have happened. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that's one reason why it's good news is because we need yeah. to know what God's up to. Yeah. And he's shown us in these last days through his son, mm-hmm. as Hebrews 1 says. And the day of the Lord is like not a theoretical day in the future. Right. It is him, like Jesus, the final prophet, brings the day of the Lord, is himself the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So the day of the Lord that the prophets look to is a day of justice against it oppressors but mercy towards the poor actually happens in jesus and that's significant as well yeah and i think we can also see ourselves here in uh amaziah where it's like i feel like it's very easy for um us our churches like religious institutions to want to marginalize voices like amos you know yeah. Where it's just like, hey, man, you're really causing a ruckus. Why don't you go out into the wilderness and, and spit that jazz? <laughs> you, could, you, could speak, you could talk like that over there, but not yeah, here. Like, yeah. why, don't you, why don't you go to that radical church downtown? But, you know, here in the suburbs, why don't you bottle that noise up? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, we like let, be careful who you silence. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe like that, you know, crazy friend of yours. May, might know something. Might know, know something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah. So that's and it's it's a strange little insertion in the middle of his woes, but I think it's significant for all the reasons we just laid out. So okay. in chapter eight, he picks back up on the visions that God is giving him, and this time it's a basket of summer fruit. Mm, delicious, right? It's all this, this is gonna be a good one, right? Ripe summer fruit. It's great <laughs> tasting. Uh, but the idea is that Israel's oppression has grown to the point that it is ripe for eating oh no so like oh you're a basket of summer fruit that means it's time to be devoured yeah that's like all this time and again this goes back to god's patience Mm -hmm. right how we talked about in the last podcast that like he sends warnings as Mm -hmm. grace uh even now we've talked about how uh he said oh i'm gonna send locusts no i'll relent i'm gonna Mm -hmm. send fire no i'll relent he's like guys the fruit has been on the tree Mm -hmm. and it's been ripening yeah. You know, I sent, like we talked about last podcast, like I sent rain on one city, but not the, the other. And you did not return to me. Mm. The fruit is ripening on the tree. Mm. And he's like, again and again, yeah. I've been patiently waiting like a, tr- like a, like an apple tree farmer. Yeah. And I've been watching the fruit bud and it's been growing. And now the apples are ready to pick. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? It means your judgment has come. Yeah. The end has come upon my people, Israel. I will never again pass by them. That same language. I yeah. won't pass by you in gracious mercy to reveal myself to you. I won't pass by you to save you from mm-hmm. death. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, declares the Lord. And here's the songs they'll sing in the temple on that day. So many dead bodies. They're thrown everywhere. Silence. Mm. That's, that's the song. That's the song. Oof. It isn't, I can't remember where it is, but he, uh, oh yeah, here, I think it's down here. He talks about like, you'll have to get those who are very skilled at lamenting and have <laughs> them come and write their laments. I'm like, well, so the book of Lamentations was prophesied apparently. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, it's going to be so bad. You're going to have to get your best lamenters to be able to capture how terrible everything is. Yeah. You know, like it's... Ken Burns is going to have to come do the documentary on how terrible this is. 
Yeah, I think this is really the the low point. Yes. There's going to be another prophecy. There's going to be another vision that's not like a metaphor in a second, and it's going to be the literal destruction of Israel's um, idols. Mm. Uh, but for now, this is some of the darkest things that are said in the book of Amos. So you mentioned that the pass by you thing is a callback to the Exodus story. And mm-hmm. then I'm also seeing words like Nile and mm-hmm. Egypt in mm-hmm. verse eight. Is yep. there like Exodus stuff yep. happening in chapter eight? What's going on? Yeah, there is. There's a, another short like condemnation against Israel in verses four through seven. And then he says this in verse eight, shall not the land tremble on this account of your injustice towards the poor and everyone mourn who dwell in it and all of it, rise like the Nile and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt. I think the idea here is uh, the Nile would flood and then it would recede. And that's why that whole area was so fertile. Right. Um, Don't you know that I, like the Nile, am going to flood over you because Mm. of your injustice? Um, And again, like we're just making little threads back to the Exodus story. But on that day, declares the Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon. What's this is the plague of darkness right. and darken the earth in broad daylight. I'm going to turn your feast into mourning, your songs and lamentation, and I will make it like the morning for an only son and the end of the day like a bitter day. Oh, that's the death of the only son. The death of the only son. The, the firstborn. The, the firstborn yeah. son. Like it's a call back to Egypt in this passing over language. It's like I'm not going to pass by you anymore. I'm not going to pass over you anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to reveal myself to you anymore, either protection or in revelation. Like right, our relationship about is there's done. a famine coming. And there's a famine coming in the most significant aspect. It's not going to be of food or water. It's going to be a desert of divine silence. God's not going to talk anymore. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You know, you know, we, we talked about like why is having a prophet such good news? Mm-hmm. It's because we know what God's up to. We know yep. what God is saying. Yep. This is why the Bible's such good news. Because we know what God says and we know what God's been up to. Yeah. But without prophets, divine silence is the worst kind of famine you could ever go through. Yeah. Yeah. And it says that in that time, Israel is essentially going to enter into a new wilderness period. Mm. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Um, the, the coming judgment is going to be bad as their fish hooks get put through their jaws, but almost more ominously, God will refuse to speak to them. There will be a famine of God's voice, mm. and that's kind of the death knell for God's people who are supposed to be God's people, yeah. who listen, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. People defined by listening to the voice of God will no longer hear it anymore. It's a severing of their identity as God's people. Wow, yeah. Oh, and all of this is happening because, like, verse 4 through 8. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's because butchers are putting their finger on the scale. You know, it's like deal uh, deceitfully with false balances. Right. It's like whenever you are going to the market to sell your wheat, you actually put a little bit of the chaff, the unedible part mm-hmm. into it to like throw off the, you know, the, the, the balance and make more money for yourself. Or it's the unequal weights that Jesus was throwing over in the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, they said it was two kilos, but it's actually, you know, 2.2 kilos on their official me- measurement, you know? Yeah. He hates this type of injustice and he's coming and he'll end his relationship with Israel over mm-hmm. it. Yeah. The, the, he will undo Egypt. He will, it'll be as if he never rescued them from Egypt. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Right. So he's like the whole basis of their covenant, which we talked about in the last podcast, mm-hmm. um, was God chose them mm-hmm. and rescued them out of Egypt. 
And he's saying, like, not only am I going to abandon you and stop talking to you, I'm actually going to reverse everything so much so, so that it's like you never escaped from Egypt in the first place. Yep. Wow. Yep. And then this goes into the next vision that Amos has. Okay. I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, presumably the altar at Gil- Gilgal mm. or Bethel, and I will strike the capitals until the threshold shake and shatter them on the heads of all the people. And those who are left of them, I will kill with the sword. Not one of them shall flee away. Not one of them shall escape. I think this was referring to is the Assyrian army coming in, yeah. destroying their temples and taking away the people. He's seeing a vision of what will happen when Assyria comes. Yeah, and he talks about how there'll be nowhere for them to hide, even if they like, like took their own life or yeah. dug, like went down to Sheol, you know, yep. dug their own grave. I would pull them up out of that grave to judge them, even if they went to the top of uh, of a mountain, even some mountain like religious mountain that's protected by their gods, like Mount Carmel. I will come and take them down yep. from there. So like there's nowhere that they can hide. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is extremely intense language. And then the probably the most intense is at verse four. Mm. Um, and I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, I was like, can God even do that? Can God fix his eyes on evil at someone? Like, that's the first question I had when I read mm. this. But I think what you're, that word evil is actually the word raw. And that word good is actually the word tov. Oh, so this is like the same words of the knowledge of good, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. So when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of tov and ra, mm-hmm. ra and tov, the world uncreated itself from mm-hmm. God's good design. And so now that Israel has again eaten from the tree of tov and ra. Which we talked about last which podcast. Which we talked about last podcast because they've rejected God's commands, just like Eve rejected God's commands. He's going to fix upon them. Tov and Ra. Mm. He's going to give them the Ra they have chose, the evil they have chosen. He's going to uncreate Israel just like he kicked. He's going to exile Israel from their land just like he exiled Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. He's going to give them the choice that they've made. Um, And I think that's a little more helpful than the word evil. Mm -hmm. Um, Just those categories because it's like God can't do evil in that sense. But he can... Give us raw, right. the, the the just punishment right. he for can, rejecting his commands. Yeah, he can let us experience the evil we've wrought on the world. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like the nuclear weapons we build, he can let us experience the radioactive fallout. Yes. He can give us, he can kick us out of the land because the land is meant to be with him. And we choose not to listen to him. Mm-hmm. We choose Ra. We choose the voice of Ra. We reject the God of Tov. Yeah. Um, and reject the God of Good. We choose to do the words of evil. We, right. So that's what's happening. God is uncreating his covenant with Israel. Mm. And he's uncreating the very world that he made for Israel. Mm. That's kind of what's happening. Wow. Okay. So then how does Jesus then <laughs> bring us back out of Egypt um, and into like the land again, into like communion yeah. with him again, where like where he will pass by us again? Well, verse 11, of chapter okay. nine, in that day, in the day when the world has been uncreated and you have been in Assyria for so long mm. in that day, I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen I will repair its breaches and raise it up 
raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Mm. So I'm going to do all this. Right. This is going to happen. I'm going to carry away into Syria. I'm going to uncreate the people of God. I'm going to uncreate Garden of Eden. I'm going to undo the covenant. But when I undo the covenant, I'm going to rebuild it again. Right. I'm going to raise up the booth of David, the house of David. Right. So that's the, a callback to 2 Samuel 7, mm-hmm. right? And the promise God made to King David that one of his descendants would sit on his throne forever mm-hmm. and would rule his kingdom with peace and equity mm-hmm. and would bring a time of peace on every side. Yep. And that has not happened yet in Israel. Nope. And so that promise is still left dangling. And yeah. God says, how am I going to rebuild my kingdom on earth after it's been so desolated by the hooks of the Assyrian army? I'm going to remember this covenant I made with David, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put one of David's descendants back on the throne and he will bring you out of Egypt. Yep. He will bring you back into a place where I can pass by you again. And he's going to amplify what Israel had previously, verse 12, mm. so that they may possess the remnant of Edom mm. and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord. Wow. So, so not only is he picking up on the promise made to David, now he's picking up on the promise made to Abraham in mm-hmm. Genesis 12 that all nations will be blessed by yeah. this chosen people of God. Um, which they've abandoned this calling in in their lack of covenant keeping. Yeah. So God is going to raise up a king from the line of David who will uh, bring Israel out of Egypt, but not only Israel, he's going to bring all nations who are called and chosen mm-hmm. by God um, out of their different corners of the earth mm-hmm. and form some new multi-ethnic kingdom ruled by the final Davidic king. Yes. I don't know who we're talking about here. I don't, yeah, no. either. <laughs> He goes on to say, Behold, the days are coming when the plowman shall overtake the reaper yeah. and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. I love that. The harvest will outpace the sowing every season. Yes. The mountains will drip sweet wine. Yeah, the hills yeah. shall flow with it. That, that metaphor, it's like there will be so much harvest that you are st- like you're still gathering up the, 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 previous, harvest, year's the harvest. previous year's harvest when it's time to plant the next year's harvest. Yeah. Like, it's just like, there's going to be more than you need. Yes. Yeah. I was like trying to think of a modern metaphor for that when I was listening to this. And I was like, it's like, uh, like when you've taken the first bite of your steak Mm. dinner, behold, another steak has come. (laughs) It's like... It, I feel like agricultural imagery just is better it's than so most good. modern imagery. It's like, I, I don't want, like, the next updated iPhone, getting it yeah. when I've just had my old iPhone for it a week. Doesn't do it. Doesn't do it for me. But yes. the idea of the mountains dripping wine. That works. That works. <laughs> like, I'm excited for this day. That metaphor hits different. Um, and then he also reverses the curse in verse 14. I will re- restore mm-hmm. the fortunes of my people Israel. I'll rebuild the ruined cities and they'll inhabit them after they did not build them themselves. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wines. They shall make gardens and eat their fruit and I will plant them on their land and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land which I will give them, says the Lord your God. Okay, so to recap this promise, God is going to remember his covenant that he made with David and he's going to put David's descendant back on Israel's Mm -hmm. throne Mm -hmm. so that he'll bring them out of Egypt again but he'll it'll be all nations called by his name that he brings to himself so that the promise to Abraham will be completed and mm-hmm. all nations will be blessed by this Davidic king. But not only will they be with him, they'll live in this new recreated Eden where they will have more than enough. They'll live with God forever mm-hmm. and there will be mountain wine 
<laughs> and just like the Bible begins with God said, let there be light, out of the land I will give you, says the Lord your God. Ah. Uh, the last words of Amos are, and God said, Oh my gosh. I will restore everything that you've lost. Wow. So that's the good news of the yes. book of Amos. And as we've hinted at, it's, uh, <laughs> it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Jesus is the son of David, yeah. um, who restores the house of David, mm-hmm. who sits as true king, mm-hmm. not through political power, right? Or military might, yeah. or like building idols that attract a wide swath of voters. Right? Yep. <laughs> like he's the true king who serves humbly and lowly. He comes as... Um, the, like as a as like the physical incarnation of the character of God who cares for the poor that we've seen in Amos. He mm-hmm. cares for the needy, like he loves the marginalized and he heals the afflicted. He pronounces good news to the poor, um, and he calls all nations to himself. Mm-hmm. Right, and then he when he comes again, he will bring this new Eden. Yes, where the world brings forth its fruit, mm-hmm. and we won't be able to start stop harvesting to plant more seeds. Yeah. The mountains will drip with wine. The world will re- be recreated and we will live in a land with God forever. Yeah. Um, and that's the story of the whole Bible. Yeah. And I'm like, that is such good news for, I think for me, and I'm sure for a lot of you listening where it's like, you read Amos honestly, and you notice several things about the world around you. You notice one that you are probably complicit in, a lot of injustice like you drive past panhandlers you know yeah. more yeah. often than not and we have good reasons to right i don't know right well that's what that's why i say in my head <laughs> right I exactly. do it, like oh yeah. i've got good reasons I've got probably waste it. right, right. And it's like it's like yeah you could talk to them you could do something you know it's like okay you buy sweatshop you buy clothing made from sweatshops your tax money goes to buy nuclear weaponry weapons of mass destruction <laughs> and it's like oh <laughs> There's so much injustice and like, I, and like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being raised as a white man in America, like I was trained, you know, like sub unconsciously from my parents who went to segregated yeah. schools in the South. Yeah. Like, like without even knowing it to right. distrust black people. Yeah. You know? And it's like, I'm having to unlearn all that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm having to like notice my white privilege. Yeah. You know? And like. Things that like, man, I have white privilege and I have male privilege and I have American privilege and like, yeah. oh, all these things that I was blind to different ways I was being unjust through mm-hmm. all those blinders. And it's like, okay, yeah. I need to seek out ra- racial reconciliation. I need to take the blinders of my white privilege off. Like mm-hmm. I need to uh, make myself not complicit in the systems of oppression that my country yeah. perpetrates. <laughs> like yeah. I just look around at my life and my world and I'm just like, there's so much injustice, so much is wrong, and there's so much injustice that I don't touch in this world, mm-hmm. right? That I'm not complicit in Boko Haram. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. there's just so much evil. North Korea, mm-hmm. you know, like the oppression of the underground church in China. Like there's just so much evil in the world, so much injustice in the world, and I'm just like, I want it to stop. Yeah. I don't want to be part of it anymore, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't want it to exist anymore. Yeah. And the good news of the final king of, uh, in David's line who comes is that he will put it into it. Mm-hmm. And like he will be the king who rules with equity, who, yeah. who, who silences injustice and who finally brings peace on all sides. Mm-hmm. And like where there will be not one hint of injustice. The plumb line will fall over the kingdom of God and it will be found to be perfectly straight on every corner of the earth. Yeah. I want that day. Yeah. 
it would be it'll be a great day it will be a great day uh, and I think there's two ways to see it. I think one, it should cause people in power, people in leadership, people with positions of authority, like the one people that Amos is speaking to, to reconsider themselves, which is yeah. what you've been talking about. Right. But it's also just good news for, it's like good news period for people that are poor. Yes. It's good news period for people that are oppressed. Right. It's like, there's a day coming when it's not, it's not that I'll finally be free from my complicity. Right. That's great news. Yes. Good. I'm I will be happy to be free from my involvement in injustice. Right. But maybe even more importantly, justice will come. Yes. Like there will be no more poverty. Mhm. There will be no more food stamps. Food Yes, like yes. there will be no more oppression. There will be no more slavery. There will be no more human trafficking. Right. Like like you like if you're there will be no more you, war right if you're black in america and every time you walk out of your house you have to face the reality of how people are seeing you and try to modify your behavior so you're not offensive or so you don't get pulled over or like you know like my right. i have my sister is is black yeah and she talks about that all the time living here in oklahoma she's like every time i leave the house i have to remember i'm a black woman hmm. and that sucks yeah and she's like and like, like that will be gone. Racism will be gone. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's good news. Like that for, for you, if you're oppressed, marginalized, looked down on, crushed underfoot, deeply in debt, mm -hmm. uh, like n because of your station in life, never given an opportunity to have a good job. Yeah. Like whatever. Or if you're a convict. Yeah. Yes. If you're a convict. Yeah. Yes. Like you're free. Yeah. Jesus came to set the prisoners free. Yeah. Which I always thought was like really funny, yeah. where it's like that really violates our sense of justice. Where it's like no mm. prisoners are there for they deserve it. They deserve it. It's mm -hmm. like Jesus is like I'm going to go to the penitentiary and unlock mm -hmm. the jail cells, and you're like, wait what? Wait what? You're doing <laughs> what? Yes, that yeah. is what Jesus is doing. And I think I was reading something about the way that even people who have served their time basically have a really difficult time entering back into society yes. and are imprisoned through other other means. I think 27 percent of ex-convicts can get a job it's Golly. like so they've already paid their time but it's oh, a but lifelong sentence it's a li lifelong sentence in some ways but there's freedom for you in the new kingdom yeah that won't be the case anymore yeah you will have a job that will be more abundant than the effort you put into it mm -hmm. and that will be true forever yeah that's the kingdom that's coming it's very good news um oh and we know that because jesus the final prophet told us that's what god's up to yeah <laughs> you know Anyway, okay. There's one yeah. more. There's no longer a famine of God's word, is what I'm getting yes, at. There is that like, right. yes. There's no God. God, God has spoken in these last days through His Son, mm -hmm. and He has said that His kingdom is here. There's one more vein of this that I want to mention okay. before we go jump off air. Um, it's uh, Acts 15 quotes this prophecy. Okay, so the Jerusalem Council, uh, the the early church has been quarreling. Mm -hmm. over how to include Gentiles into this very Jewish faith, mm -hmm. especially around the idea of circumcision, because right. they're wondering, should male Gentiles who join the Israelite community, of which it was always necessary to be circumcised to be included in, yep. should they now get circumcised post hoc yes. when they become Christians because they're becoming Israelites too? Right. They're now Abraham's descendants. Mm -hmm. So should they be circumcised? So how, is, how does this fit into Amos exactly? <laughs> well, <laughs> because 
they may possess the remnant of Edom. Mm. So Edom was Israel's brother, Jacob's brother. Jacob's brother, who was later named Israel, is Uh the brother of Esau, who was later named Edom. Right. We talked about this in our Obadiah podcast. Yes. And he's saying, you and your brother will be reconciled one day. Mm. And when Acts quotes this verse, it replaces the word Edom with Gentiles. Mm -hmm. It reads it as all other people besides the chosen people of Israel, which is a legitimate way to read this text. Yeah, because the word Edom is very close to the word Adam, yes, which, which means mankind, mankind, humans, people. So both theologically and covenantally, and even linguistically, right. they're super closely, closely linked. And what they actually changed the way that the law was interpreted mm-hmm. for this new people of God to enter into the kingdom. And I mean, they come closer. Anyway, the point is, yeah. it even changes the way that churches were structured in... Uh, in early, the early church, and probably should do the same today. Like that's right. There's um, this is an important passage in the, the history of redemption, mm. and it gets picked up back, back up again in the book of Acts. So I just want to throw that in there. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean Gentile inclusion is part of the good news mm-hmm. of the book of Amos. I mean, and you can think about it. Go back to our last podcast if you missed it, where um, Amos paints this picture. Um, about Israel, who was supposed to be a light to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. the light to the nations. And as the nations gathered around them and looked into Israel, they were supposed to see that Israel was so different and so good that they would be changed. And bit by bit, Israel yeah. would expand, the light would get brighter, and the nations would come to the light, mm-hmm. and the world would look like the peaceable kingdom of God. But instead, Amos says, the nations have gathered around, and these are wicked nations, yeah. and they're looking at Israel and being like, Israel's worse mm-hmm. than we are. Israel's really, really bad. And so God is saying that when the the king of David comes, when the Abrahamic line is finally fulfilled and Jesus comes and dies on the cross and gives us his spirit like living water in us to help us change the world around us, what happens? The Gentiles once again come around, the nations Mm -hmm. come around, see Jesus in us, experience the Holy Spirit in us, and they are changed and they are included. And there is reconciliation across uh, national and ethnic uh, and ethnic okay. lines, mm-hmm. like as the kingdom of God breaks out around the world. And the sign of that inclusion isn't circumcision. No. It's not changing something outwardly. It's the, the, the justice bringing flow of the water, the Holy Spirit moving out from person to person as we love God and love neighbor around the world. That's it. That's Amos. That's the book of Amos. That's a good book. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, guys, that was really fun. Thank you for uh, watching the bodies hit the floor with us here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, made it to the dark part of Amos. It will be in the letters of John (gasps) next. Letters of John. This is our first epistles? It'll be our first epistle and our first time to go like chapter by chapter through a New Testament book. We've done some introductions on... New Testament books so That's far, right. but this will be our first time to slowly go through something in the New Testament. Man, which get is, excited, everybody. Okay. And John, first, second, third John. It's awesome. Oh. It's about the Antichrist. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That's going to be great. <laughs> God is love. God is love. That's another famous one. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.